saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Fenner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost this Tuesday, July the 12th, live from the LCMS Youth Gathering in Houston, Texas. For this year's theme is, in this youth gathering is, In All Things, which reminds us, Colossians chapter 1, reminding us that in all things, Christ has created it all. He is before us. He is with us. He is in us, and he holds it all together. What a great reminder for us as we go through Genesis chapter 31, where the soap opera continues, which I'm excited <laughs> to dig into. And thankfully, we have a pastor here who's not just going to talk about all the problems. He's going to point us to Christ. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back somebody that's uh, very familiar here for us on KFUO, um, Pastor James Cleland of St. Mark Lutheran Church right here in Houston, Texas. Pastor Cleland, um, welcome to Thy Strong Word, but welcome back to KFUO. Good morning. It's, it's fun to be on the other side of things yeah. as, as a guest. You know what's great, too, is that as a guest, you can't just ask a question and just have someone else answer it. You have to answer the oh, questions I thought, that I, I give thought you. we were flipping the script today. Uh-oh. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll see if so. I'm prepared. If you remember, Pastor Cleveland was always a guy in the background. And the last time we worked together, we did dad jokes. Yes, we did. So do you have any dad jokes for us this morning? Oh, man. Okay, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, this I one, y- you have to be a fan of SpongeBob. And I, I, no, I never understood I, why they call it SpongeBob, because Patrick was the star of the show. So, okay. Wow. Yeah, to was get that, that one, you got to know Patrick's a starfish. You know, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't know so if that one's right for our audience. That was, was, that's the one was that absolutely came to the perfect surface. for somebody. <laughs> Remember, this is worldwide. Well, I'm at worldwide the youth gathering. I thought the youth KFUO. would like it. Yeah, someone in the world would enjoy that one. So, Pastor, <laughs> we're in Texas and you're a Texan. I am. So, tell us what you want people to know about Texas. What makes it great? Oh, or maybe my. not great. It's up to you. No, it's great. Everything about Texas is great, <laughs> including the, the, the heat. And the humidity in yeah. Houston, it's great. It yeah, is great. great. Yeah. Well, I will yeah. say this, though. Uh, <laughs> I have fallen in love with Houston partially because of the food. Food. It is such a wonderful multicultural city. And if, if you want to try any food from around the world, they've got it in Houston. And, and they've got cool fusion versions of it, too. Wow. So, wow. yeah, when, when, when the awesome immigrant groups come to Texas, they then take on the awesome Texas stuff and, and join it together. So we have in Houston, the best crawfish you could ever have in your life. Wow. Uh, and it's like Vietnamese meets Cajun food, Viet Cajun food, mm. and it's amazing. Wow. So if you make it to Houston, do that. Or uh, just stop by Bucky's in Houston, yeah. in Texas, and then you'll, you'll know how awesome Texas is. We did have a, a group here that put uh, the Bucky's hat on Martin Luther. <laughs> on did Martin you see Luther? this? Yeah, the, the Martys. The sure. Martys, yes. <laughs> very, very biblical, very theological, oh, and yeah, very sure. Houston-y. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm digging deep into Houston culture here because on, uh, on Sunday I had a cheeseburger. And yesterday, I had, uh, it was at the concession stand okay. at uh, Houston at Minute Maid Park. And then yesterday, I had Chick-fil-A. So, I mean, I am go. digging deep yeah. into the Texan <laughs> <Absolutely>. culture. <laughs> Chick-fil-A and cheeseburgers. <laughs> exactly right. It's, none of that is true. So, Pastor, we're here to study God's Word, and it is a joy to have you with us. So, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings on our study and prayer? Absolutely. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are so excited to be here. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for bringing 
20,000 youth to Houston to proclaim your name, to proclaim that you are in all things and that you work through all things. Uh, You work in us, through us, and despite us. If you'll do that today, that would be amazing. We know you will because we trust your promises. Amen. Amen. Now, Pastor, I'm going to start this way. I didn't warn you for this, Uh-oh. but I know you, you're a radio guy, so you'll be able to do it. Is The reality is, like last night at the mass event, yeah. we had a great moment where we talked about this many percentage of kids is struggling with, yeah. uh, for example, hopelessness yeah. or uh, pornography or other, you know, and they had people stand up and you can kind of look around and see how right. many people are doing this. And I would say that this is... I'm going to say that this is nothing new as far as the struggles in life. And we look at Genesis 30 yesterday, Genesis 31 today. Why is it important for our youth to to read something like Genesis 30, 31, and obviously goes to 32? It's important. Maybe it's not as exciting for people. Right. Um, Not something you remember very well, but yet it is very important for all time and all places, especially now. Why would you encourage our young people and other people to read, not the so nice parts of Scripture. Yeah, so what I would say is what, what struck me rereading 30, 31, 32, and, and I had to keep going back to see you know what happened before in the right. story. It struck me that all of this is weirdly comforting. Okay. The fact that, that Jacob, oh, he did not get along with his brother. Weirdly True. comforting. The yeah. fact that he was, he was a liar. Uh, uh, his, his wives fought all the time. His children didn't get along. Um, I mean, this is a family that is a hot mess. He's got issues with his Ooh, in-laws. I like that. Uh, you know, from, from the dawn of right after the fall, we get family issues. And it just keeps going on, keeps going on, keeps going on. But what, what does God do? He's faithful. Uh, Jacob is not the most faithful dude at all. He's a bit of a schemer, but you know, God is working in him, through him, despite him. God is fulfilling his promises, and and we see that story play out over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And even in these stories like Genesis 31, where it seems like, well, this is just kind of weird at times, right? Okay, do I need more information about this guy's issues with his father-in-law? No, no, no. You're going to have issues with with your in-laws someday, and Mm. guess what? Christ is there. Absolutely. Um, and, And Christ and fulfills his promises and we we actually see uh in 31 we see the the angel of god uh, we're going to get to that point oh, and we're going to yeah. see some really cool promises it even starts off with a promise so we don't always think old testament and 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 the gospel and christ but even in 31 we're going to see it and i, I was kind of surprised how, how much it was in there it was weirdly comforting well, and that's, and that's where we're at. And I think a, a good way for us to think of our whole time is it's a hot mess. Hot I thought mess. that was a great quote. <laughs> it's a hot mess outside of these doors, and it's yeah. a hot mess in Scripture. And let's be honest, for all of us, it is. So, sure Pastor, is. I'm ready to dig into Scripture. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We, were reading, uh, we are studying Genesis chapter 31. And as Pastor said so well, make sure you put on your Christ goggles as we see all of Scripture. So we're starting in Genesis 31, verses 1 through 3. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord Yahweh said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So, Pastor, once again, uh, Jacob keeps fleeing. He does. But you make the argument that uh, there's some gospel here. What do you got? There, there absolutely is. And remember, Jacob is technically in exile right now. 
He fleed from his brother Esau, who was totally going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, he had nothing. He had the clothes on his back and maybe a walking stick or something. He, he crosses a river uh, to go find some, some other family. And now he's, he's been blessed, blessings upon blessings, even though there's been some crazy stuff going on. Remember, his father-in-law has tricked him multiple times. Uh, <laughs> multiple. We're going to find out later that he's changed his wages on him. I mean, he's like like the worst father-in-law, the worst boss, all in one. And True. But what we have here is uh, all of a sudden when the tables turn for Laban, um, he's, he's, he's angry at Jacob. His countenance has changed uh, towards him. And, and Jacob gets this promise from God. He gets a command and a promise. Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred. And here's the beautiful, beautiful promise. And I will be with you. Mm. Um, so we get a gospel promise right from the start. Even though Jacob has had so many, uh, I'll, I'll call them struggles, but most of them are self-made. <laughs> That's true. Um, but he's also had blessing after blessing. And we see this in, in 30 before. We saw that um, Laban was trying to pull a fast one on him again. And, and there was the stuff with the sheep and the goats, and Jacob's belongings keep growing. His, his uh, flock keeps growing despite the plans against them. And the interesting thing is that Laban and his kids think that Jacob is stealing things from them, but actually God is the one gifting it. He's ah. the one creating this wealth. He's the one gifting it to Jacob. And it's just this scandalous thing that we still have today where we get angry when God gifts other people things. Mm. And we like to twist the truth and say, that's actually mine. That's mine. When that is not who we're called to be at all in any way, shape, or form. And yeah. Jacob is bad at this. Laban is bad at this. They go back and forth with this. The wives are bad at this. We saw that in, in 30 and earlier when they're like uh, not trusting God's promises and, and, and scheming against each other to have more children, et cetera. When really, where are those gifts coming from? Right. They're coming from Yahweh. Um, and this, so, yeah. And this emulates what God says to Jacob when he's having a dream in chapter 28. Yeah. Uh, let's see here now. Verse uh, verse 15, I think it is. You don't need to go there for our guests. So you don't have to go there. I'll read it. When the Lord says, Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So he just keeps reaffirming this reaffirming promise. Reaffirming the promise. He's not changing changing the promise. He's no. reaffirming. He just keeps reaffirming and, the covenant. And yep. Yahweh is the opposite of Laban. He's not changing the rules of the deal <laughs> like halfway through. You know, he's not pulling a fast one on Jacob. Um, I, I was thinking about this that I hope, um, well, two things. I hope, one, I'm not that kind of father-in-law someday. You know, like, okay, right. I don't want to do that. But two, I hope my daughters and my son doesn't ha- don't have those kind of father-in-laws right. either. Yes. Right. Like, oh, what a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so he, he says this again, return Turn to the land of your fathers. I will be with you. How could we not also, as we put our Christ goggles on, not see the great commission at the end when uh, Jesus yeah. says, Behold, I'm with you to the very I end of the you. age. Right. And then, obviously, his birth, Emmanuel, God is with He's us. With Any us. other thoughts you have? Any more gospel you got for us? That's it for now. Verses? We're going to see more as we go. Okay. Uh, we're going to see more of the hot mess as we go, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good. So let's continue on. Verses, uh, see here, we're verse 4, and we'll go through 13. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. Hmm, There it is. Mm -hmm. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. Not just once, Mm -hmm. ten times. 
but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flocks were bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and has given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and modeled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and he said, here I am. And I said, excuse me, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock were striped, spotted, and modeled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. So the, we learn a little bit from the side stories of yeah, all that's yeah. happened. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so we've we got a lot going on here. We've got Jacob going to his wives and saying, hey, look, uh, I've got some bad news, and, but I've got some really good news. Really good news. I've got some good news. i got a promise from God. I had a dream. All these gifts that we've been getting, you know, I'm not sure what, what we read into all the, the sticks and stuff that Jacob was doing. Right, right. But where, where was the gift actually coming from, from God? Right. Um, and he's reminding his wives of that. He's proclaiming the gospel, the good news that he has been given to his wives now. And I think it's interesting because in, later on we see a bit change in their behavior. I'm not sure what it's totally motivated by, but maybe there's sure. some gospel good news working here. Uh, we, we see just a lot going on here, but the big thing is we've got the angel of the Lord yeah. appearing to Jacob in a dream and speaking to him. And when you, when you see the angel of the Lord, Brady, what is that normally pointing us to? Now, now th- this tells you you're a radio guy because now you're asking me questions. Yeah. Now you're making me uncomfortable <laughs> about what to do with that. But, yes, the angel of the Lord, I would say, is a pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah. 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 And, and, and how do we know that from this? Well, you know, right afterwards, what's he say about himself? Uh, it, it, let's see. Hold on. Let me get to it. We got this. <laughs> I am the God of Bethel. Ah, right? yes. You know, so mm-hmm. this, this is this using that first person and making claims about being God. Uh, well, that's, you know. That could be one person. Right. 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 So think, we've yeah. got that going. And later on, it's going to only be a stronger argument when in 32, uh, Jacob does some wrestling. He has a wrestling match. And I'll right. leave that for the next toast. Exactly right. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Right. So that argument's there. Uh, I think it's beautiful. I think we've got some seriously good news going on again. I like to remember, too, what, what Jacob's name means mm-hmm. in this passage. Uh, and you've probably talked about it with your previous guests, but uh, it could be called usurper or schemer, liar. Yes, um, trickster. Trickster. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that the angel of God calls him by name and says, hey, trickster. And Jacob has to say, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. And, and, that, and when you remember, it gets, he gets a new name later. Uh, yes, he does. And, and we'll get to that another time, not with me. But, but right now, he's that trickster. And I love that. It's like, trickster, I got a plan for you. Uh, mm. so, so do what I say. <laughs> and th- it is interesting when we read this because we can easily miss – we could – we could be led to believe that, okay, obviously God's like, you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. I'm still going to let no, you do yeah, whatever you wish. No, yeah, that's not quite the, but, the lesson either. But I'll tell you this. that it's definitely, it's definitely something that if the angel of the Lord came to me, <laughs> it's not going to be say, oh, good, so I can do whatever I want then. Is that no, what no, you're no, saying? No, no, no. There should you know? be some fear. <laughs> there should be some fear, fear like, right. accompanying this promise in, in, in some ways. And it's interesting because later on we're going to see – where Jacob's fear is actually placed. Ah, very and good. he's very much like me. I, my name is actually James, which is the, the anglicized version of Jacob. 
Yeah, um, and, oh. and I, I can't help but see myself in this trickster because I'm the same kind of guy who I've got the good news. I, I, I know the truth. I should be fearing and loving God, and yet oh, I get fearful about these other things, and that changes how I respond to the promise oh, that, is that God good. has given to me. Yeah. And we're going to see how Jacob responds. He, he's told to go back to the land that he's promised and that God will be with him, but he does it in a trickster way. He does. He does. And yeah. this is a good reminder. One time in seminary class, I heard this from one of my brother pastors who I just saw here at the youth gathering, and he talked about when he was in a class at seminary. This is when Norman Nagel was one of our professors, and someone was kind of just talking about where the baptismal font is placed, mm-hmm. and they were kind of complaining, well, you don't want to put it there. You don't want to put it there, but maybe right here, but that's kind of in the way. <laughs> and Norman Nagel, in the way that he did, I never had him in class. I do have some stories about him, but never had him in class, and he said, well, shouldn't our baptism get in? Our way. It sure should. It sure should. And that goes with our names, too. That right mm-hmm. now he's saying trickster, but later on Israel, oh, that's right. This and is no longer my name. A and little I'll bit of research. The name Jacob had possibly another layer to it, which oh. is one protected by God. Oh. So it's kind of like this, almost like the saint center kind of thing. It, there's Absolutely. a simultaneous thing going on with that name. It's got layers. And that's, um, and that's who we are. And I can totally, yeah. that resonates with me. Absolutely. So. All of us. So let's continue on. Yeah. Verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has, you, has said to you, do. So they... they um. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Rachel and Leah are not exactly the ones who get along real well. No, like, yeah, no. They but have here not they seem along. to be united. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think there could be multiple layers going on here. Um, I, I want to be generous to them yep. on the one hand, but also their behavior before. And the words they're saying leads me to believe they're united against a common enemy of their father right now. Yeah. Um, they're also motivated possibly by wealth. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, <laughs> I think there's something stuff. going on there. Be- and, and, but at the same time, they're, they're recognizing where's that wealth coming from? God. So let's do what he says. Now their motivation might be, I want more, I want more of that, you know, whatever. I want to be generous to them because I want people to be generous with me because if I'm being honest, I am just like Rachel and, and Leah. I, yeah. I have the same kind of mixed motivations. Even when I hear the good news, there's still this, yeah, but what's in it for me? You know, um, and, and, I think it's beautiful, too, though. They're getting along. They're getting along. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a Holy Spirit moment right that, there. That totally Absolutely. is. And, and it's, it's beautiful because we're going to see later on in like 32 or 33 that even Jacob and Esau, there's, there's some redemption coming up later for them. Oh, my gosh. Them. It is just full. And one, one of our guests has said this is just so full of promise. There is. And I think it's good for us to be able to have that filter as well, the Christ goggles, the filter promise, uh, the promise filter, I should say. Because right there you see this. They are united. And then we could go into this whole intention inspection. Sure. Which, by the way, is never a good way to live life because no. if we always are asking about <laughs> intentions, you're always going to have many problems. You Although are. it's there, but we do have to watch it very much so. Yeah. So they're united. They're, they're together. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen very often. It does not happen very and much. And they're, they're united behind their husband, too, at this point, too. That's true. Because uh, he would not have been able to, to motivate and get the entire clan up and running without the help of these women. That's exactly um, right. They they. They called a lot of the shots on getting camels ready, all those kinds of things, and getting the tents <laughs> backed up. Um, if he was going to go um, without their help, it would have been, uh, you know, difficult. I think we could agree. But, but here's that, the deal, yeah. though. 
even if Jacob had that happen, he still needs to go. He and still who, needs and to who's going to be with him? Right. Yeah. So it's beautiful, though, that they are with him. And it, and it's one of those realities, too, that we need those people with us where, you know, the God of Bethel says go. I mean, mm-hmm. once again, this goes back to Jesus, go and make mm-hmm. disciples, right? Is, is right here is have someone affirming you, you know what? He said go, you go. Yeah. And I, we all need that. Any thoughts on that, Pastor, as we look at our own Christian walk with the Lord? We need people kind of reminding us, you know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm totally blessed that I have a wife who does that. Right. Um, for instance, I'm here at the youth gathering. Right. My wife was like, Go. Now, maybe she just wanted me out of the house. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But also, it, she's like, go. You're no intention inspection. No intention <laughs> inspection. <laughs> We're doing here. it again. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have in your wife. And it's a beautiful thing to, to, to do for others, that, to recognize that they're also called. Um, right. And that they are also uh, part of the Great Commission. And to, to, as pastors, we get to equip and tell people, go. Go. Um, and encourage them. And I love that. I love that. And that. You know, that's very true because when I first asked you to be on this program, you said, no, I, I can't come. <laughs> and now you're here. So there it <laughs> there is. There we go. Somebody <laughs> told you come and go. So here we go. All right. So we're at 17. We're in verse 17. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock and all his property that he had gained, the livestock and his possession that he had acquired in Padam Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Yeah. So, okay, so he obviously went. He went. So you're <laughs> He went. I'm, and I, again, I don't want to get an intentions game or anything like that, but... Jacob is a bit of a trickster, and it and it bubbles to the surface right here too. Is he, does. he waits? Laban is 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 three days journey away. Okay, good point. Taking care of of shearing the sheep and whatnot, and that's the moment he chooses to leave. Um, and you know, if you've really got God on your side and you're trusting His promises, you don't have to be a trickster about how you do it. That's true. Does that make sense? It makes exactly. Um, right. But you know, I am like Jacob, so I'm not I'm not going to get into the blame game with Jacob right now, but we need to see that is he's still doing the Jacob stuff. Yes. And at the same time, Rachel's still doing the Rachel stuff too. Um, she grabs the, the idols and steals them from her father. Um, now we could, we're going to talk about that more maybe later, but um, these idols were possibly something used uh, by Laban to, to do mystic arts or divination or something to try to figure out the future or talk to, to ancestors, maybe during this time period, there was a lot of that stuff going on. Um, idols during this time period sometimes were made from human remains, maybe of your ancestors. There was a lot of weird stuff going on here. Um, they also could have been almost like deeds to property or a symbol of your power in a clan. So maybe Rachel's, you know, getting an extra insult into her father. Maybe she's. Some people have said maybe she's trying to protect him. Like I don't want him to have those idols because he'll use them. I'm not sure that's what's going on there because right. maybe she'd come out and say that uh, when, later on in, in, in the chapter. But there's definitely something going on here where she's sneaking around too. Well, I think it goes exactly what you've said this whole time. It is, it is a hot mess, and it's getting 
messier and hotter probably yeah. in that whole realm. Yeah. So he fled. And it's interesting to me just how much Jacob flees yeah. throughout the scripture, right? He does. That he flees even across the river and all of a sudden he's wrestling with a guy in the next chapter. And so he's just fleeing and, and it's it just... Um, there's a point where you just can't flee anymore. You can't flee anymore. Yeah. 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 And I think it's interesting, too. Um, he flees across the river. He go- crosses rivers into exile. He crosses rivers to go home. We're going to see right. that throughout the Old Testament. Right. We see it with Moses. We see it with Joshua. With, um, with Elijah. With Elijah. Yeah. So that's something to take oh. note of when you see that. And, and of course, being the, the, the good Lutheran pastor I am, when we think about our, our baptismal waters, we right. go back to that every day. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it should get in our way. It should get um, in our way. We, yeah. we, we, we are killed and made alive every day by, by, by God's word. And so there's this repeat of exile, crossing a river, and God fulfilling his promises. It's over and, and, and over, over and over again. And over again. Very good. So we are... I'm sorry. I, I, I get so excited about what you were just saying. Um, what verse are we on? Verse 22? 22. 22. Here we go. When it, was told, when it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or or bad. Yeah. Mm. So now the Lord came to Laban. And if I'm right, that's the first time. That's right? the first time I believe with okay. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and basically he's protecting Jacob. He's right. absolutely protecting him. Um, even in Jacob's sneakiness and sneaking away, God is still protecting him and fulfilling his promise he made to him that he will be with him. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because Laban obviously has idols. Right. And he has Yahweh <laughs> speak to him that's and true. he listens. Yeah. And he does what he, we see he does what he says kind of after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he doesn't attack Jacob right away or anything. Um, we, we have some verbal attacks, but we'll get we to that. We do have some of that. Yeah. <laughs> we do have this, a little bit of but that. I just, right. Yeah. W- main thing I see in that section is here's God fulfilling the promise he made at the beginning of the chapter. Again, I will protect you. And it is, it is, I mean, let's be honest, like chapter 31 is not, like, we just go to chapter 32. We do. We just go right there. Okay, yeah, Jacob's messed up. Let's go there. And, and he's going over the river. But, boy, this is chock full of gospel, as you've said from the very beginning. And chock full of us being reminded that God intervenes into our lives and, and points us in the right direction at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's interesting because in such a hot mess, Yet there is God. Pastor, with about a minute left before our break, uh, why is that important for our young people to know? Good important for our listeners to know that God is always intervening by his word um, in our lives. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. In, in my years of youth ministry, ministry is messy. And, and the lives of youth just keeps getting more complicated, I think, with everything going on in the world and all, all the different access to, to the world that they have through media, etc. Um, they need to know that God is with them, that he, the Holy Spirit is working in them, through them, despite them, that God is fulfilling his promises. Because things might not be messy right now, but we saw last night at the youth gathering, statistically, it's right. going to be messy at some point, either for you or a friend or your family. Um, and it's just an expectation. It's what we have in this middle that we're living in. Uh, we had another speaker the other night talk about uh, the beginning and the end, and we're kind of in the middle. Yeah. But I, w- I want to proclaim today that we have that end, that new kingdom crashing into our 
lives every day through God's word. And, and that's what the youth need to remember is even right here, here's, here's Jacob in a bit of a middle time and God's crashing his, his love and protection into that moment. I really like that, crashing his love upon us. That's a good way to put it as a youth and, let's be honest, even as adults. But right now, we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 31 with Pastor James Killian, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 31 with Pastor James Cleland of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas, right here in Texas. How far is the commute for you, Pastor? Uh, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. All right. We did have a request from a very beloved guest of ours, not guest, excuse me, one of our hosts, who also is in Texas but is not here. Um, Pastor Tim Apple of Sharper Iron has said, I think Pastor Cleland needs to do another Dad joke. So you got one for us? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was my dad's 70th birthday the other day. And, yeah, that's uh, nice. As I handed him his 70th birthday card with tears in his eyes, he said, thank you, but one would have been enough. <laughs> there is, there is uh, it, there's ec- no, no reaction no, yeah. in the whole crowd. And, uh, yeah, I think eyes, sign rolled, of a good dad eyes are rolling. Yeah, here we go. So, Pastor, we're on verse 25 of Genesis chapter 31. Anything else you want to highlight in our first 24 verses? No, let's move on. All right, we got some good stuff coming up. We do, verse 25, and we'll continue on through 28. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now, Laban had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. Well, I, I might agree a little bit with Laban. He has. Yeah, my heart, kind of, like, my heart kind of feels <laughs> that you know, I'm a father. I'm not a grandfather, yeah. but there's a little bit of that. But then but you're like, why? remember this yeah, guy. Come on now, Th- Laban. This is the guy who, who <laughs> how dare he say, oh, you would run off with my daughters. He's the one who, who used his daughters, tricked yeah. them. Um, remember, this is the guy that, that uh, basically required 20 years of service from Jacob. Absolutely. And tricked him into it. And, and Laban's going to say, yeah, we would have celebrated you leaving. And this is also the guy that we know from his countenance earlier was not happy with Jacob. Um, so it's, again, Jacob has met his match with Laban when it comes to scheming. And it's like they one-up each other all the time. Right. Um, and what's interesting is uh, we see it play out where um, Jacob doesn't necessarily win. God does. 
Uh, he's the one who it's obvious is the one gifting things and whatnot. And even Laban learns that lesson in the end. Um, so, yeah, he starts off accusing and, and saying he's going to throw a party. I'm like, seriously, Laban? Yeah, we, we read the earlier chapters. You're not going to get away with that. Um, you're, and you're not the father in The Prodigal Son. No, I mean, you, no, no. You are not, not that, that guy. guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but then uh, we're going to see in a second he's going to – that didn't quite work, so he's going to switch to threats right away. He does. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's, let's continue on then. Verse 29. It is not my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Hmm, you might not have listened to him. And now you have gone astray because, away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Oh, my. Okay, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, so he, he turns to threats, and then, and then he's got his, his, his ace in the hole, if you will. And you stole my gods. And, <laughs> and, and, and what's funny is the only thing that actually might be true about his accusations is the last part. You stole my gods. Because yeah. Rachel did steal him, but Jacob didn't know that. Ah, so good it's point. interesting what Jacob does next and his answer. All right, let's continue on. 31. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, get, I'm so excited about this. Okay, verse 31. <laughs> Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from, from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Yeah, so, so Jacob's answer here is, is, it's got some layers to it. First, he says he was afraid. Mm -hmm. But who's he afraid of? Right. Laban. Um, now, he's either actually afraid of his father-in-law and running from him, or he's lying right now to his father-in-law and scheming yet again. Either way, Jacob's up to something, and it's not resting in the promises that God made him. It's not following what God told him to do and just doing it and fearing God. He's fearing Laban or fearing what Laban will do next or something like that. It's a misplaced fear, definitely. And then he makes this grand statement that whoever, whoever has those idols, if they're one of my people, we're, we're going to put them to the death. Not knowing that, oh, it's actually his wife that he loves yeah, who very dearly. <laughs> Which, you know, he, he knows her so well, he, he maybe should have thought, oh, she might have taken him. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, so you're right. He's, you stole my gods. Why did you do this? Because I was afraid. And it makes me, makes me realize over and over because we look at that and go, yeah, why was he fearing man above God? I mean, God is God and you are not, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is, let's put ourselves in those shoes. Oh, I would have done Someone asked that question. Thing. Right. Yeah, what are you <laughs> I more do it fearful every day. of? Right. I do it every day. Every day. And so this is where, as, as Martin Luther tells us in the 95 Thesis, the, the life of the Christian is a daily life of repentance. That yeah. we need to repent because, yeah, there's a lot of things that I fear above God. Yeah. And I think that's something that's very important for us as Christians to be able to admit. Because I felt like, I think partly because I wasn't listening very well, but sometimes we get this feeling of some people really do feel like they don't fear other things above God, right. which is not true. So, right. Pastor, why is it important for us to remember um, that, you know, well, we have some repenting to do because we fear a lot more than God. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, what we have here is Laban who has, he's obviously a polytheist. He, he has lots of little idols, ah, right? Yes. And it's easy to point the finger at Laban and say, and, and, and the, the word for idols in this is teraphim, which we're not sure the exact meaning, but, but there's some type of layer of limp things or powerless things. And throughout the Old Testament, we have descriptions of idols, and the words used are, are usually something like uh, 
made from dung or earthly things right. or you know the the in the hebrew we never actually have the word idol per se we translate it as that but there's this connotation that it's not something you should put your faith in and it's easy to point our finger at La at laban and say ah he's got all these false gods and he's mad cuz rachel ran off with them and maybe even rachel's putting some faith in those false gods too if she's carrying them with her that could be why she's doing it but you know what we do every day we've got our little idols that we hide away that we act like are important that we put our faith in and they honestly are made of dung too yeah, right. um, and they're, they're not as obvious in our day and age I, I tell you right here I got one of my idols in my hand right now it's my phone yeah. it has become an idol in my life in so many different ways and I have to remember that and repent of it um, and I'll tell you what youth today deal with little idols all the time little teraphim little things that actually are powerless um, but we fear them when we really should be fearing Yahweh, the creator of the universe, who, in a beautiful way, fulfills his promises and loves us. And yet, these things that don't love us, that are powerless, right. we run after, we chase down and try to get back. We threaten to kill people because we want them. Right. You know, we yeah. are just like Laban here. And we're just like Rachel, too. And we're just like Jacob. So I think this is a great chapter to remind us of that. But who's faithful? God is. And it's one of those realities here, too, is if you're, and you make this point, and maybe, maybe I should have you make it, is if your God can be stolen, then it's probably not yeah. a good God. If your God can be stolen, <laughs> he's not that great of a God. It reminds me of, uh, I think it's Elijah who's, who's talking to the priest of Baal. He's like, where's your God? Is he musing? Is he off using the toilet or whatever? You know, if your God needs to be saved by you, he ain't no God. Right. Right, exactly right. And that's, and that's just a good reminder for all of us is um, we usually point this to relationships with people, mm -hmm. which we definitely you know, agree, but make sure that's relationship with the Lord, mm -hmm. that we want to make sure that, that you know, okay, well, you know, that phone won't love you, but your wife will, which we agree with. But then we also don't forget God in this whole thing either, that, you know what, that phone won't love you, but guess who always does? And it's the Lord. And he always, and we see this all the time, that's why I love going through Genesis, he always goes back to his people. Yeah. It's not like he has this long, bitter run where he's like, okay, I'm just, I just need a little time away from James. I need a little more time away from Brady. <laughs> no, he continually comes back to them. We need space. The Lord does not. No. Thoughts? Hey, man, I, I agree. Okay. I, I think there's something cool coming up next. It's weird, but cool. Uh, exactly right. Here we go. Verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out to Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all the tent, felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And he said to her father, and she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Yeah, so mm. this is one of those kind of like, oh, this is awkward to talk about moments. Uh, Rachel has stolen the idols, and and now she knows. She probably heard what Jacob said, and she knows, oh, if they find this, we're going to be in a, a another hot mess. Right. Right? Yeah. So she sits on the idols, basically. She hides them in the camel saddle and sits on them and, and claims that she is on her period, That's basically. Right. That's it. And if we are using the ears of uh, the context when this was written, uh, this would be a unclean situation, right. and for a god to be uh, underneath an unclean situation like this is an added insult about how these are not 
real gods. Right. Um, and, and to the, the original hearers of this, they would have gotten that level like, oh, snap, that's, that's pretty crazy. She did that. Um, now, whether oh, she's lying goodness. or not, that's a whole other thing. But there's a level there of this is like that insult that Elijah makes, you know, uh, it, it, that's super unclean. Wow. And your God means nothing compared to Yahweh. Wow, that is a great insight into this because you can easily just kind of look past that. We you don't want to yeah. talk about that. But there is that uncleanliness that this God can be stolen. This God can get unclean. Yeah. And it seems like you're still going to kind of want to polish it off and no big deal. Eh, yeah. Whatever, it doesn't make a difference. But here there is clearly some of that. And, and boy, Laban is really, it's, it's, let's go back to the phones. It's much like if I wake up, you know, tomorrow morning, I can't find my phone. I'm not going to, I'll just go have some breakfast. No, no, and then no. I'm, no, no, I'm like, i got to frantically find this <laughs> yeah. thing, you know. So we are, oh, we're just like Laban, and God continues to prove that he truly is God, and we are not. Anything else in verse? Uh, no, verse yeah, three? let's uh, move on. All right, 36. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Oh, hotly, mm-hmm. like a hot mess. <laughs> For you have felt through all my you felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These twenty years. Oh, excuse me. You know I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Thirty-six, thirty-seven. Yeah. So, I just I thought we should pause there because it's interesting that Jacob is now on his high horse. And how many times have I done this where someone has wronged me? But actually, if we dug deeper, how many times have I wronged them? Uh, mm-hmm. What's at stake with me even claiming that I'm right in this situation? And I just I feel sad for both Jacob and Laban because this is a, a, a this could have been a beautiful relationship. It really could have, and it's falling apart because there's a lot of scheming going on right. between everyone in this family, and there's a lot of misplaced faith, mis- misplaced fear. And it just it makes the hot mess messier. And we're gonna we're gonna see at the end of this not a happy ending between Laban and Jacob. Sometimes we think it is, but it's not a happy ending. Not not what we would wish. No, yeah, definitely not like it's a kid's story. It's not the ideal. It's not a no, kid's story. No. no. So yeah, I just want to pause there and, and 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 point that out that Jacob is the king of schemers too. But now he's gonna point the finger at someone else. Um, and, it, and I'm not sure what good it does really. One of the beauties of Genesis that I'm finding, and I, and I want you, our listeners, to remember this as, as another filter as we go through this, the promise filter, the Christ goggles. Another filter is the beauty of detail that's in, in Genesis. Mm-hmm. For example, when, when Sarah passed away, there's a very, very intricate details of how uh, Abraham prepared the place for her to be buried. You know, how much he spent, that he went all out, you know, mm-hmm. literally. That, that where it was, the place that it was. And part of that, because that's our life. Uh, you know, when, when, when a loved one dies, we don't like, and she died and move on. No. That there's, there's parts in here that's just very detailed. And I think this is very much so part of it. Because you're kind of feeling like, how much more we need to know about this messed up relationship? Right. But it definitely shows us that because, guess what? This is real life. Yep. This is the story that if you and I talk about the people maybe we're not reconciled with, you just don't say, yeah, him and I don't get along. No, we get know? into the details. We get into the details. Really and unfortunately, try to justify ourselves. Yes, just I like what they're Jacob doing, does. right? <laughs> and so I just want to have that filter here to slowly go through this and to, to really see the beauty of what Moses wrote here by the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us this is real life. Yeah. So we're in verse 38. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. 
and have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. By day and heat consumed me, and the cold by night. And my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I have served you fourteen years and for your two daughters, and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father had not been on my side, excuse me, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. So he's got a list here. What kind of list is this? Oh, man, it's a list of grievances. I feel like for 20 years he's been practicing this speech. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, he sat up at night, if I could just tell Laban this, and then, then we'd move on. But, you know, he's got something at the end of it, though, that is, again, it, it, some gospel. Yeah. You know, he's bitter. He's been hurt for 20 years, but who's been faithful? God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. Um, I, I wish he would say my fear. I'm not sure if he's there yet. Right. Uh, but the fear of Isaac. And, you know, we're going to see that again and again uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament. You know, uh, these people who get puffed up and think they've got all these wrongs against them. Uh, but the reality is, where does their, their help come from? Where do all their gifts come from? It's God. And I, I'm happy that Jacob at least remembers that in his rant to his father-in-law. Um, yeah. And I like, how, I like how he said that. I, I kind of wish he would have said this. And, and then, and then <laughs> it's kind of like every time you have a conversation with somebody, that this is an important conversation. Yeah. Either it's a, a trying to reconcile. I, I know. I wish <laughs> I would have said that. Yeah. Or I wish I would have said this. And we can always step back, reflect, and realize, well, yeah. those are those words. So, Lord, help us to be ready to Absolutely. be able to have that appropriate fear of the Lord. So 43. Is that where we're at? Yep. We're at 43. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob. Okay, so now Laban's going to start speaking. The daughters are my daughters. The children are my children. The flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day? For these are my daughters, or their children, whom they have born. Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set up a pillar. And Jacob said to the kingsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it, oh, here we go. I didn't practice this one. You got this one? Uh, Jagar Sahadutha. Ooh, there it is right here. Great guest right here with us. But Jacob called it Galid. Pastor, there's, there's a covenant made here. There's but they, they can't even here. agree on the name of it, they though. They can't agree on thoughts? the name. I, I think this is, in a weird way, you remember Superman? I, do, was, I, was, I, I, I love Superman. Do you remember Bizarro Super, Superman? Absolutely, Bizarro. This is the Bizarro Covenant. Yeah, it, no it doubt. It mirrors oh. in so many ways the other covenants made with God, but it is a, a weird one. If man were making covenants, it would be like this. There's no peace in this covenant. Right. There, there's threat of death in this covenant. Um, there's no redemption in this covenant. Uh, there's no real promises in this other than if you cross these stones, you will die. Yeah. And there's no agreement between them about whose daughters these are, whose children they are, etc. This is a bizarre covenant compared to the other covenants we see in the Old Testament that God makes with man. 
And this is once again where we have that intention inspection we don't want to be doing too often. But at the same time, this one's pretty clear. This is not a, yeah. I want to give this to you. I love my grandchildren. I love my daughters. I love you as a, as a yeah. son. Yeah. This is a, here's the rules. Don't cross right. it. Here it is. And, and if God weren't involved and hadn't said he was going to protect you, we wouldn't even be doing this. And Jacob, yeah, right. Yeah, I guess God has to be involved yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah. So verse 50, uh, we continue. Right, no, verse 49, where are 48, we? 48. 48. 48, I'm sorry. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he called, named it Gilead and Mizpah, for he said, the Lord watch between you and me, and when we are out of, one of, the, and when we are out of another's sight, if you oppress my daughters or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. I'm going to stop there, Pastor, just yeah. because here we have a, you know, it kind of continues with that same rhetoric yeah. where it's like God is a witness between you and me. No one is with us to see, but God is right there. Right. Which, I mean, how many times have you seen that at Halloween? You put out the basket of <laughs> of candy and someone puts a sign up, um, take one take piece, one. God is watching. God's yeah. watching. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, these man-made little covenants are bound to fall apart most of the time. Usually they do. Um, and you can put up all the watch posts you want, which is what Mizpah means. Um, and you can you can claim that the Lord is watching, but you know who's going to fail? Us people. We really are. Um, yes. And that's why if we're going to have a covenant that succeeds, it's really going to have to be one where God does all the fulfilling. You know, and I think about this with the covenant of of marriage, mm-hmm. I'll say it that way. That that one of the beauties of because I have a couple, I have a wedding coming coming up here soon, and one of the beauties of the of the way we do it in our uh, in our Lutheran service book is it, it the first covenant that they make is looking towards the altar, mm-hmm. which says I'm making that covenant exactly. to the Lord, and exactly. then they look at you know you don't see that on like. Um, uh, old, you know, when you see a, a movie with a, right, a wedding, right. it's just kind of like boom, 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 they're out, you know, it's always looking at each other, but you don't start with them making that commitment to the Lord. And that's what's happening here. This is, they're kind of throwing God into there, but it's more like, hey, this is between you and me, buddy. And and, and there's a weird throwing of God into it in a little bit when we get to it. Ah, so even I better. I want to point out. So let's keep going, 51 until the end of chapter 31. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and the pillar? which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the whole country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. And they ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Yeah. It, what? It, it's like it almost it feels like it's a good ending. It feels like it. But it doesn't it. feel like a good ending. What are your thoughts? Right. So in a, in a way, sometimes <laughs> we on this earth have such a toxic relationship with someone that we think it's a good ending when we've broken that relationship and we don't have to deal with them anymore. That's true. And sometimes it's the healthy ending. Sometimes it's the one that, that in this, this realm that we're in right now, that's, that's the best we can hope for. But it's not the ending. It's not the good ending. It's not the one we really want of full redemption. So there's something lacking here. Um, I'll even say there's something lacking in when Laban calls out the gods, he's throwing in the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of their father. And, and, and there's, there's some 
different discussions on what's going on here. Is 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 he just throwing out all the gods he can think of that that Jacob might respect? Right. Is this one god he's talking about? I don't think Laban totally gets it because he remember not long ago he was concerned about those idols that had gone missing. Right. Where'd those go? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure what's going on here. Again, this is one of those man-made covenants where. Uh, it's a hot mess itself. The wording of the covenant even is a little bit confusing. Um, but I think it's cool, too, that even in this covenant, there's a, there's a meal that's shared. Yeah. And there's something about a shared meal that really um, can solidify an agreement. Mm. Um, and mm. I, I think, again, this is like a bizarro version. Um, this is more than bizarro. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it, it's 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 a hot mess. It's a hot we'll, mess we'll version. Go there. But we and we'll we have there. we yeah. have better versions of this. We do have. Better we have versions. the ultimate uh, fulfillment of covenant, and we have the ultimate covenant meal, and and you know we we don't have to rely on these these type of covenants with with other men that will fail us, um, and I I think that's the beauty here in this. Um, we see Jacob, who had a broken relationship with his brother and with his own father at that point. Yeah. Going into exile with nothing, coming back from exile with four wives, 11 sons, one daughter, countless herds, absolute wealth. And we'll see in the next uh, chapter, he tries to use that wealth to, to woo back his brother. <laughs> he does. Oh, yeah, he does. In, in a kind of beautiful oh, Jacob scheme way, right. which actually gets turned on its head in a beautiful, redemptive way. Absolutely. And I, this, the end of chapter 31, I felt a bit more of a, a semi-conclusion when Jacob uh, sees Esau again. And, and I, I couldn't help but see some of the, the uh, prodigal son stuff coming back into this from from the future reality too right and so there's just layers there we should not ignore chapters like 31 there are layers there it's beautiful sometimes we get all excited about chapter 32 right but it's all there for a reason um and it all interconnects and we see that big story and how and that's been a theme here at the the youth gathering is is Mm -hmm. God's story and your story in that story. We get to see Jacob's story in that story. And it's a hot mess story just like ours. But it's part of a much bigger, grander, beautiful story about Christ. And and he's in all things. And all things are for him. And he's working in us, through us, despite us. I say that every day to myself and others. Holding all things together. Holding all things together. Yeah. So with about three minutes left in our time, I want to make a few highlights and get your last thoughts. Is So verse 53 is you know the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of our father, judge between us. Okay, so he's got that. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Yeah. Once again, that language that you highlighted before, and I wanted to say it again, is that, okay, I wish he would say, by my fear of the Lord. No, fear of my father Isaac. Yeah. And, and this is where then we see the reconciliation, if you will, of Jacob and Esau. Then we see Jacob wrestling with God, that one, that hope for all of us, yes. that, that we're always growing in faith. Yes. The church I previously served, their, their tagline was, um, growing in Christ, sharing his love. Yeah. And, and we always think, oh, I could come up with a better one. But I, the, more I, the more I said it, the more <laughs> I realized it, that we're always growing in Christ, yes. right? Growing yes. in Christ. And that's the language that we see, one, because he's in all things, right? Um, but here we see that growth in Jacob. We see that, 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 that ultimate, uh, they're eating together, but that ultimate coven that the Lord has with us, which is top down, top down. right? All, all gift, all upon us. And then we do see a separation here 
that we know that God is going to continue to work. Because guess what? He has to this point in Genesis yeah. 1 through 31. Yeah. And he will work through this as well. So, Pastor, with about a minute and a half left in our time, how would you summarize our chapter and encourage our listeners in Christ? Well, I want to encourage the youth that are here today yeah. because I think we're a lot like Jacob. And, and when I was in high school going to youth stuff, it was the fear of my parents. Yeah. You know, it was, it was their faith in the Lord that I was kind of following after. But it's at events like this, when you're hearing the word, when you're really uh, living in it, that it becomes the fear, your fear, your love of the Father. And I think we see that a little bit going on with Jacob here. But I want to show, uh, point out too that this is just another example of grace upon grace upon grace, scandalous grace that Jacob doesn't deserve, that he gets, and we get it too. Um, and I think that's just beautiful, beautiful gospel good news all the way back in Genesis 31. Well, it says that in John chapter 1, he gives us grace upon grace. Pastor James Cleland of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas, giving us God's strong word from his hometown right now in Houston, <laughs> Texas, from Genesis chapter 31. Pastor at Cleland, it is a joy. It's a joy to, well, you're only my second guest that I've gone face to face with, so this has been a true joy my for pleasure. me. So thank you for bringing us thank his you. gifts. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Fenner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.